0: This is the fifth Sunday of Lent, and the signs are all there that as Jesus was moving towards Jerusalem, so are we. Next Sunday, we'll witness his entry into Jerusalem and begin our walk with him through the last days of his life. In today's gospel, we're just a few miles away from Jerusalem. We're in Bethany, where Jesus is the guest of his friends, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, whom we have met in other stories. Lazarus, who was raised from the dead, and Mary and Martha, who quibbled over who should sit next to Jesus and who should work. Not surprisingly... Martha is serving dinner, just as she was at the last reported event. You may remember the conflict between them, where Martha complained that, quite bitterly, that Mary was not helping her with the food preparations. And Jesus stepped forward and said, Mary is doing what she needs to be doing. She is listening to my teaching as a disciple. It's an invitation for all of us who find ourselves to be like Martha, to remember, to remember, to listen. So let's join them as they sit at table if you close your eyes, you will be able to imagine this scene. As is the custom, Lazarus, Jesus, and the male disciples are reclining on banquettes as Martha serves them. Kind of like this. Into their midst comes Mary of Bethany. Everyone can see... That in her hand she holds a jar of costly nard, perfumed oils for anointing. And when she opened the jar, the scent filled the space. Imagine that scent filling this space here in this church, and let your nostrils take in the senses and it may sp- inspire you to smile because they smell so beautiful and so sweet. It's hard to do this two-handed. Watch closely, then, as Mary kneels down beside Jesus and gently anoints his feet with the oil and then tenderly wipes them clean and dry with her loosened hair. It's such a poignant picture of devotion and love. You may now want to remember a time in your life when you have shown someone such love. It's like the gift Of cradling a baby's head in your arms as you hold and caress them. It's like the gift of a full body massage where every ounce of your being feels caressed and loved. It's like my experience of the Pietà at the Vatican the first time in 1954 as pilgrims kissed the feet of Jesus and wore away the marble. That was before it was surrounded by plexiglass and made inaccessible. It is, it is seared into my heart, that picture of the Pieta and the worshipers. I had never seen that kind of adoration before. So think of a time in your life when someone treated you this way when you felt cared for, comforted, and caressed, and enjoy the memory. But at Bethany, Mary's act of adoration and affection is interrupted by Judas Iscario. Why, he says, was this perfume not sold and the money given to the poor? Judy, Judas fails to see the beauty in the extravagant act, the love poured out, the compassion. But Jesus steps in and quickly defends the woman. He says to Judas, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. Jesus praises Mary of Bethany for her generosity and her love. Have you ever asked yourself, how do you show your love for Jesus? And how does he know that you really care for him? We're given the example of Mary of Bethany as just one way to show your devotion and commitment to our Lord. Unlike the male disciples, Mary of Bethany anticipated, like Jesus, his impending death and his suffering. And she showed him compassion by anointing his feet. And this, on Monday, Thursday in 10 days, you might think of this when you're having your own feet washed. I, whenever I preach on Monday, Thursday, I always ask people, to watch those being washed. Because it's a beautiful sight of caring and gentleness. Now Mary Bethany and the other women that the Gospels name, some by real names and some by just descriptions of who their husbands or fathers were, were Jesus' constant companions, just like the male disciples were. And the way they showed their love was by attending to Jesus' needs. They really understood his teaching on the commandment to love. They knew that it was their task to love God, neighbor, and themselves. It's often that themselves gets forgotten. We're quick to show compassion to others. But psychologists today are telling us we need to learn to be compassionate towards ourselves. And I find that that's where the bridge occurs in my life as a psychologist and a a priest. That self-compassion is one of the most nurturing, positive things we can do, we can learn to do. And if we spend... Time each year in Lent and Holy Week, experiencing our own compassion for Jesus and his impending death, then our hearts each year are opened once again to him, and we feel connected and present to him and to our own feelings of sorrow and love. I think Jesus believed that everyone is worthy of compassion. Much like life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is the birthright of Americans. We don't often think that everybody deserves compassion because we're quick to judge. But if we hold our judgment and try to understand others, we will feel compassion. I want to tell you a little story about something that happened to me a few months ago. Um, One of the first gifts I received, even before I was ordained, was a beautiful, small, silver oil stock with a little tiny silver funnel to pour the oil through because it had such a tiny little neck. And I always carry that with me. If there's a healing altar, I might have it in my pocket. And if I'm just bouncing around the world, I have it in my purse. It's just always there. One day, I went to get my arthritic knees x-rayed to see if I was a candidate for new ones. And I am, but I don't want it. Not yet. Um, I was sitting in the waiting room, waiting for the x-ray person to come tell me it's my time. And another woman entered and sat down. And she started to talk to me, even though I didn't know her. And she said in a kind of a blur, burst of panic, I- I'm here to find out the prognosis because they've told me I have a dreadful condition. And she started to cry. And I looked across at her and I said... I'm an Episcopal priest. I don't know if you'd like this, but I carry healing oil with me. If you would like, I will anoint you and pray with you for you and your medical team. Oh, she said, thank you. So I whipped it out, unscrewed it, put some on my fingers and made the sign of the cross on her head and laid my hands on her And we prayed, and when I finished, she hugged me, and I hugged her back. And just at that moment, the orderly came in to take me off to the x-ray machine. And as we were walking out of the waiting room, I felt his arm come across my shoulders. And he looked down at me, and he said, thank you. That was very nice. Now, he could have been like Judas and been a crabby complainer saying, that's not your patient. You shouldn't be touching other people. But he didn't. He not only did the woman affirm my act of kindness, but he did too. And I tell the story not because it's a special story, but because it's an illustration of how a simple act of kindness can show our love that we're called to show. That's why I love the term random acts of kindness. I said all that. I not thought about that incident until I started preparing this sermon about Mary of Bethany, and it popped up. It made me realize just how she must have been feeling to see Jesus and anticipate his suffering and wanting to do something, wanting to demonstrate her love and to offer him comfort. I think it was a special heart moment between the two of them. Now, the women in Jesus' life, which I will talk about later, regarded him differently than the male disciples. They cared for him. They showed their confidence and their trust. They asked for his help and they weren't shy about asking for it. And although this isn't true of all women at all times, it was true of the particular women that accompanied him along with his male disciples. Now, the guys, the male disciples, had a hard time understanding him and an even harder time accepting the notion that he would die. So Judas represents not just his own thievery in objecting to the anointing, but also the masculine attitude at that time that Jesus was impossible to destroy. And I think if you want to be a disciple, you might want to look at the behavior of the women rather than the behavior of the male disciples. That's true for men and women. If you pay attention to their stories and their behavior towards Jesus, you will really learn what it means to become a follower. Helen um, Brooke Pearson wrote a wonderful book called Do What You Have the Power to Do, and it actually is the stories of several of the women who supported Jesus. And what she says about the anointing woman is this. She says she was acting, caring, touching, anointing, giving, and risking. That's a role model. That's what we're called to do for each other. I personally think the story of Mary of Bethany offering Jesus comfort before his impending death is more important and more inspiring than many of the stories of the male disciples. Am I prejudiced? Probably. Having studied them for 25 years, I'm probably prejudiced. But I offer them to you as the ones who were there at the cross rather than running away or betraying him or denying him. That's the difference. In my life, it's the women who knew Jesus who show me how to learn from him and model my life after him. And I hope this woman's story inspires you to do that too. Amen. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907.